So I was gone for a week. It was a men's retreat. Uh, this ministry also has women's retreats. It was they have them in a handful of states. I was in uh, East Texas on a ranch. Uh, we spent a lot of time just with God outdoors, listening to Him. Here's the website to this uh, ministry. Just want to kind of let you be aware of it. Uh, that if that stirs something in you to get away for a week, to go deep, the questlife.com would be a good place for you to start looking at that. And, uh, and then, of course, talk to me and I can give you some more understanding. And uh, so, highly recommend it. Um, being gone, I'm realizing I have missed a lot. The uh, pastoral appreciation last Sunday, thank you so much for your kindness and generosity there. Uh, I heard the lock-in on Friday night was amazing, a big group uh, last Friday night. I think they're all still in bed um, and, and haven't gotten out of bed since then. Uh, but uh, great job, Andrea. And Andrea has a friend of, from Alabama with her uh, that was helping this weekend. Her name again is Audrey. I'm so glad you're here, Audrey. Thank you for being in Kentucky. Last week's message was just great. I'm so glad um, uh, Fred had that theme of serving one another. He really lives that out. He and Beth both. What an example. Next Sunday, Brandon Watkins is going to do the teaching and really excited about that. Brandon has been gone many Sundays recently and through the rest of the year as a um, fill-in worship leader for church in Paris, Kentucky. So he, uh, you know, has been leaving early Sunday mornings, getting out there. So we haven't seen him as much, uh, but he has a ministry of leading worship and preaching. And so I was able to get him uh, signed up, ready to uh, launch us in the Word of God next Sunday. Really looking forward to that. In the Bible... It's hard to count them because sometimes the translations, different translations, do them a little differently. But there's over 20 for sure, uh, one another's in scriptures, positive one another's. Also, in the New Testament, there's another list, not quite as many, of negative one another's, like judging one another, provoking one another, envying one another, lying to one another hating one another. Can you believe that, that a New Testament writer had to warn that, hey, you believers in your local church don't hate one another? So in the Bible, is real. It's real life. It doesn't mess with, uh, you know, being shallow. Some more negative ones are slandering one another, complaining against one another, and the list goes on. So I've seen up to over 50 as a list of one another's when you start adding positive and negative ones, etc. We're going to be in Galatians starting first at chapter 5 today. And the one that we're looking at today is bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Uh, another word for bear in the Greek is, is carry one another's burdens, and I'm probably using that word more often. But uh, that key scripture we're going to look at later, that's in Galatians 6. We're going to look at some previous uh, set-up scriptures here in Galatians 5 
uh, starting at verse 13. And uh, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Next verse. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So here we have this understanding that God wants us to be motivated by love. That, as it said, serve one another through love. That in one word, uh, that the whole law can be fulfilled with, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that's something we need help from God, don't we? Let's go on to the next verse here, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Wow. There's another one of those negative ones. Pretty uh, vivid there. Get, biting? I mean, did they get so angry and hate that they bit on each other's arms or something? It's this attacking, devouring, where even it can happen where believers can be, become so full of bitterness to one another that coming together is worse than being separate. And the devil can use these dark and evil things and grudges that have accumulated and we can bite and devour and consume each other. Last verse here in this passage that I'll read, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yes, Lord, help us walk by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, if we're going to be motivated by love in the way we lead, lead our life, we need you. We can't love with the agape kind of love except by your Spirit empowering us, enabling us. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to you, hunger ourselves for more of your love And that, just as verse 16 says, we want to walk by the Spirit so we don't gratify these desires of the flesh, of these negative one another's, but instead we walk by the Spirit so we can love one another, serve one another, and carry one another's burdens. Amen. Just to remind us, key scripture, the first time this phrase has, was ever mentioned in the Bible was by Jesus. He had just washed the disciples' feet. He is their, their last time together at the Last Supper. And it's John 13, starting at verse 34, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's God's idea that came through Jesus at right at his last supper time with his disciples. And when he's speaking to his now 11, because Judas has left, he says it again, but he adds a different word in John 15, verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that cool? He says, this is a new commandment, and it's my commandment. These Moses had ten commandments. I'm giving you this commandment right here. To love one another as I have loved you. 
All right, let's go to our key scripture, Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, he, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him. Okay, let's stop there. All right, someone caught in a transgression. Hopefully, we're not caught in our transgressions, our sins, our mistakes where we're going off track and it's going to lead us into darkness and and sins. Hopefully, we catch them ourselves and ask for help, right? But even when we're caught in our sins, there is a ministry that we have. It says it's a spiritual ministry, right? It's those who are spiritual. That's you and me. If Jesus lives in your heart, you are a spiritual person growing in maturity he who are spiritual should restore him. So God is, is putting together at Living Waters a people who are restorers with Christ. We are restorers. That is the goal of all this. It's not, oh my gosh, look at that, 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 that you know, person over there and they're this, there. And it's not the judging, it's not the devouring and the bite. No, it's restore the heart of God and all of this, right? is to be restored. God is bringing together restorers, a team of restorers. And then it gives a little more specifics. Uh, you who are spiritual shall restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So it's not out of a spirit of, I can't believe they're doing this. We got to we got to get them. We gotta, it's not out of frustration. Got to work those, those out of us first. It's out of a spirit of gentleness. And we keep, wa- keep watch, lest you too be tempted. And we're going to look at this a little bit more closely. Lest us be tempted by what? You mean we can get snagged and be drugged into something? Yes, that's what this scripture is warning us. Next verse. Bear one another's or carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice it didn't, it didn't say the law of Moses. It didn't say the law and the prophets referring to our Old Testament. It said the law of Christ. Well, we read, we know what the law of Christ is. Jesus says, I have a new commandment. In fact, it's my commandment I give to you to love one another. So that's his law is that new in his commandment that he claims is from him to us, love one another. There is some imagery here about carrying or bearing one another's burden. And one is that at the time Rome was oppressing, they were ruling over the Roman Empire, over the Jews. And Roman soldiers had the authority by the Roman Empire to command a Jewish to be treated like a servant or slave. Hey, pick up that and carry my load, my my equipment, my sword, and walk with me a mile. Well, Jesus said, walk with them two miles. Go beyond what they ask you to do. Carry that longer, even longer. 
But there's, uh, in the Greek, there's this imagery when you carry or bear one another's burdens that it is, it's coming up under and helping lift the weight because the burdens in the Greek is weights. So it's heavy, spiritual heaviness or a physical. And so it's a load that needs to be lifted and it says you come under the burden. You come under it. And it's interesting that as we continue to read, and and I'll just mention verse 3 and 4 of Galatians 6, uh, talking about humility, how we're supposed to evaluate ourselves and our own work, that that where we are, um, um, you know, not blind to our own weaknesses, we're spiritual. Verse 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. So we have the ability to carry our own load. You need to be carrying a load, your load. That's the starting place. We, we learn to carry our own load, our own responsibility. It's, it's going to be some spiritual, maybe heaviness at times, a spiritual load. And, and we are created able to carry our load. We can do it. If you're helping someone carry their load, be sure that you're not carrying too much of their load and they aren't learning how to carry their own load, right? We don't want to be enablers and, and you remove something and, and in a long-term sense that they should be carrying themselves. Does that make sense? And yet, we are instructed to bear one another's burdens, to get underneath and help us. In fact, this uh, word in the Greek, uh, Rick Renner's the Greek guy that, that helped me with these Greek understandings. He says, in the other places Paul uses it, these weights are crushing weights. These are crushing burdens. It's, this, this, it's a strong term that it, it's just too much for one person to carry. It's too much. And someone has got to get in there with them and help Lift up that load. Get underneath it. And so we do, being a spiritual person who is a restorer, we have to learn to carry our own load and know how to receive help when we need help in our load, when it gets that heaviness crushing. Uh, and, and then we are able to help someone else carry their load. And learn how much time, how much, you know, how much to do, how much not to do. You're walking with them to release them. So being a restorer with God means we walk with people in their journeys through the valleys, ups and downs, some hills, and there are times where they're going to need help carrying their load. You're going to need some help carrying your load. I was a a chaplain in the healthcare system in Philadelphia for several years. And in their training, and I found this to be true, that as I, and, and this was a, the first hospital was in two different uh, healthcare systems. The first one was downtown Philadelphia. So you can imagine how active their ER was. It was a research hospital. There was uh, graduate schools connected to the uh, Jefferson University Hospital, and 
I think there were seven ICU units of various types and functions. And so if I'm walking to a waiting room area near an ICU unit where families are waiting uh, to get news and what's going on in the, the surgical units in those behind those doors and those hallways, it, was, it feels like this, that you're stepping into a storm with them. There's chaos. There's darkness. There's questions. Will my loved one live or die? There's fears. There's usually guilt relating to the person's illness or the car wreck that happened. And, and there's these this feelings of guilt. What did I do? How did I contribute to this? And we're just stepping into with them in this storm for however long we're there with them. 20 minutes, an hour for the afternoon. We step in the storm with them. I can't change the storm, but they're not going to have to be alone in the storm. I'm helping carry the load for a while. The grandparents' summit a couple of Saturdays ago was tremendous. It's a Friday, Saturday, two-day event. The content was so solid. The speakers were well-chosen, very much worth uh, the time and effort to be a part of that. One of the speakers was a person who was such a good communicator that she could just piece the things together in her teaching, and, and uh, her name was Catherine Koch, and she was talking about security, that in children, security comes from trust. Children need security, they need it at a young age, and they receive it through trust, and grandparents can be a part of the relationships where that child says, I have a trusting relationship with grandma, with grandpa, great-grandma, great-grandpa. And that gives them a, which is, she argued, the number one need of a human being was security. And then she went on and said this as a blanket statement for all of us. He said, the biggest compliment you can receive from someone is when they share their heart with you. They're not even saying, uh, you know, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for just being there for me. Thanks for stepping into this storm with me so I'm not alone. No, they don't say all that. They're just, when they start going there, and it's a little surprising, or wow, they're going there. They're going to share this secret with me. They're going to share what's really going on inside, what's behind the face, the facade, what is really happening uh, in their heart and soul. They're sharing it with me. This Maybe I'm the only one that'll know this, and they're saying it. That is a huge compliment, that you are trustworthy with these sometimes hidden terrors, pains and burdens 
Dolores and I do uh, counseling, marriage counseling. Uh, when I'm, of course, going to meet with a lady, I have Dolores or someone else with me. And, and sometimes this comment, she will give it or I'll give it, will it's almost sometimes who's going to say it first, but this person will be just brutally honest about what's going on in their heart and will go, thank you for sharing. We know that wouldn't ease you. We feel honored that you would share that with us. Because that's what it feels. They trusted me that much to say that. I feel honored as a pastor, as a pastoral counselor with Dolores. We feel honored. That's a piece of this coming under and carrying a load. I'm going to give another example. It's kind of an indirect example, but I'm still, it's still impacting me from last week. This quest, uh, the Quest Life retreats, they're small groups. We only had 10 senior pastors. They purposely put pastors together. Normally, it's just a, any random group of men or a random group of women. But there are just 10 of us. They can have up to 20 in that house, a large house that can sleep and they can manage that. But there are only 10 of us. Yet, volunteer, we're three men there all week to cook for us. There was another four pastors that came to not be speakers. They had the speakers already lined up. They had just to be there to pray for us after a session, to be there to give us a hug when it needed, give us an encouraging word, just to interact in little ways off and on. That's four men who left for a week. They're, I know how busy they are. I know how busy a pastor is. I know. Excuse me. There's five. And then two leaders who were paid. But I'm, I'm just, so that's eight total volunteers to minister to ten men. I'm thinking, isn't this a little overload? Do you really? And, and I, I would say, thank you. No, 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 we're here for you. No, we're here for you. We want to be here. And that ministered to me in such a deep way. They're willing to carry that load with me. They're willing to be there in the storm. There's a must-know scripture in the body of Christ. Jesus gave just a couple of scriptures on how to work through misunderstandings, miscommunications, conflict, strife. Matthew 18 um, and before we read that, let me just refer to another scripture. It's not on the board or anything. Matthew 5 is when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, hey, when you're going to the altar to worship and you have your gift, you're going to be all spiritual, and you know someone has ought against you, drop your gift. Yeah, that's important, but there's something that's even more important. You need to, as soon as you can, go to this person, humble yourself, and let me partner with you to work this out. On the other end, Matthew 18. If someone has sinned against you or there's misunderstanding, this miscommunication, there's conflict, this is Matthew 18, verse 15. 
Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. See, it's a restoring ministry. You have gained your brother. That's the goal of it. We're motivated by love. We, are, we walk in the spirit. We are, we are in the love one another. So it's not to go, I've got to tell him <clears throat> what he did to me and what he said. I'm going to, I can't believe that he did it to me again. I can't wait to get, you hear what I'm saying? Because that's, that's how we feel. We're upset. We've been hurt. We've, we've been offended. And yeah, we want to do Matthew 15. Oh yeah, I want to do Matthew 15. I can't wait to, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's to gain the brother spiritually. It's for you to be united spiritually again. This is the goal. This is, this is the pathway here. And we're not going to look at these, these, uh, these succeeding scriptures. 16, 17 talks about if it doesn't work, you take a per- another trustworthy person who can go with you and you go again. And then what, all of that is to trying to gain the brother. It's, it's always to restore. We are restorers. And in the process, we find, well, oh, gosh, I had more to do with that than I thought. I need to ask forgiveness too. Goodness. Okay, well, yeah, and you bring this person, that person prays with you, and you realize, oh, gosh, you know, this was partly my fault. And so you go and you humble yourself. That's how you start off is I'm realizing that I'm part of the problem because of my attitude, because of what the way I said it, because of... And you go in with humility. God is restoring you too to Him in holiness and purity. All right, so let's get a little practical instructions here. Being a restorer with God means we have a compassion that is courageous. Why? Because, hey, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking. You don't know how the conversation's going to go. You're going to do Matthew 18. You've been praying about it. You've gotten some cleansing. You've got some humility. So you feel like you've got good motives. And still, you're like, I don't, it, this, this could go bad. They could get more upset. This could go. It takes courage to say, Lord, I need to gain my brother, my sister. I need to go there. Disunity in the body of Christ is not God's will. God wants to gain our unity back. So it takes courage. Second one, it takes being gentle. That's the nature of the Holy Spirit, that you are a spiritual person, that you're not going in in the flesh with anger and with uh, an attack and to really let them have it. No, you have a gentleness because you've been praying over it as long as it takes till you get gentle. Next is discerning. Lest you be tempted also. Because when you go uh, and you're going to carry someone's burden or you're going Matthew 18, 15, you, you might get entrapped in the temptations that are around the situation. And so you are purposely asking God to show you entrapments. You're realizing that you're not going to take on their their bitternesses. If you're carrying up someone's load, and this can be particularly a challenge for a good friend of yours, you come in there and you start help carrying the load, and you realize 
They said what to you? They did that to you? And you come from this and say, wow, that was, that was horrible. I hate that. And then you got to watch right there, lest you be tempted. Well, I'm going to stand with you. There's, it's us before them. We're going to take them down. I stand with you. And you st- and end up taking on their offense. You're not helping them forgive. You're not helping them to release this to God, to trust God, to become gentle. No, now they uh, you have entrapped in their offense. And it's a double offense. It's, it's like you're making it stronger. And then you want to have wisdom. Because in situations like that, that these things conspire. If you're not walking in the spirit and being a spiritual restorer, in the end, you can end up... Uh, uh, gossiping. Can you believe what happened to my buddy? Can you believe that they did that to him? You can believe it. And the gossip starts going, and then it's divisive because it's, it's about what Pastor Stephen uh, said or did. And now it's the separating the sheep from the shepherd. And there's division, a spirit of division. I mean, the devil's just looking. Oh, if I can just grab in and on some gossip, grab in on a spirit of division and this and this uh, spirit of offense just multiply, get some more people in on it. It's us before them. We are against each other. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Now we're doing Galatians 5 where we are biting and we're devouring each other. The number one tool of the enemy to the family of God is the spirit of division. He'll start with every, any little thing he can do. I want to tell a story Quickly, I'm not going to even use the scriptures because for time's sake, I need to keep moving here. But it's a story out of Luke 5. Jesus is preaching. He's healing the sick. So there's crowds, thousands of people around him. He's in a house. Can you imagine how packed his house would be? Packed every window. There's people on shoulders and there's people stacked around windows, doors are... They're trying to listen in, and, and there's this crowd. And there's a group of friends that's carrying a lame man. This lame man couldn't carry his load by himself. He couldn't carry that mat. He couldn't get to that to Jesus by himself. He had to have someone. He was in a burden. He couldn't do it. And so these friends pick him, him up and his mat up, and they go to the down to the other county where the house is, where Jesus is. And they, they're sweating, and they're I'm like, oh, God. look at the crowds. There's no way. We've carried them all these miles, and we can't. What are we going to And they did not quit. They were already tired. They were already worn out, but they instead found a way to climb up, up on the roof. People go, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. You're breaking the line. You're breaking the line. And they just persevered sweating and dirty already from the journey. They get up there on the roof. They tear open the roof. Stuff starts falling down. What is somebody doing there? How disrespectful. They're tearing the roof up, man. This is terrible. And lower him down in front of Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. But Jesus did something unusual. This is my point out of the story. 
Now, let's be inspired by those friends. They had to persevere several layers to get there. But Jesus said to him, friend, your sins are forgiven you. He heals them, and he says, your friends are forgiven you. Now, the uh, religious leaders are hanging around. They get all mad about that. Jesus uses this as an illustration to make a point. But he touches him spiritually. And I want to say this. Many times when we're just helping a person physically with a physical need, and, and we don't even know if there's a spiritual need, God is working something spiritual at the time. This man, you think his greatest need was his paralysis. He was lame. No, really, his greatest need was he needed his sins forgiven. Jesus knew that. He knew where he was. He knew the guilt he carried. He knew the depression he was in. And he said, your your sins are forgiven. You're washed away. And so realize this, even the what we might call the small stuff, God can use and do a deep work. We are the body of Christ on earth. We present God with skin on in the earth. A couple more points. I'm going to kind of keep this moving here with us. Go to the Isaiah scripture. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus Christ, God under the cross, after being scourged 39 lashes that would, could kill a man, and he's carrying his cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we are esteemed, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Keep, keep going. But he who was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Remember the story, the detail there. Jesus fell. He couldn't carry his cross the whole way. The Son of God also was the Son of Man. He had physical limitations that he couldn't physically carry that load. Some, if Jesus Christ needs help carrying a load, you do too, folks. Humble yourself. Realize at altar ministry time, and we have altar ministry people here, you're not leaving this building until you get someone to pray with you. You know that friend, that prayer partner to call. Simon of Cyrene grabbed his cross and carried it the, west, the rest of the way. Now, verse 6, And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 
So he did carry his own load on the cross. No one else could help him take on the iniquity, the sins of the world on himself, right? He did it all. And so when we read in the Bible, that we're to carry our own cross daily and follow him. That's us saying this. Jesus, every day, all day long, I'm willing to carry my load. I'm willing to carry my cross. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. If there's suffering today, I'm willing to carry it. If there's hardship today, I'm willing to carry it. Because I am willing to do your will over my own will. We were made to carry loads. We were made to carry our own cross. We were made to receive help at times. And we were made to help others. Let me just say this prayer as well as we close and transition to table talk time. And yet Jesus says this, Matthew 11, verse 28, my key scripture for 2023. Come to me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So in the midst of carrying our cross, carrying our load, with Jesus, his yoke that we get bonded to, connected to him, he gives us grace to where we receive rest in this from him, that where it's an easy yoke, it's a light burden because of our trust and faith and partnership with him. Lord Jesus, we ask that we are ready to come to you and put our burdens onto you so that we can carry the load that we're supposed to, that you want us to, and and then help others carry their load. But, Lord, we know we can't do it without you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Amen. All right. Let's transition to table talk time, and I need to um, help you move around a little bit if, if, I, if, I, if you need help. If your table doesn't have a facilitator, uh, then we need, a, I'm looking though, it looks pretty good, yes or no? All right. Now, how about a table that's really small? Uh, we look like we're